guys, this is Kim and you are tuned back into the Soul Sense Podcast. You have your trusty wingman, Melvin, over here. Hello. And I am your host, Kimberly with the T. No. <laughs> Hostess with the mostest. Hostess with the... Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Your hostess with the mostest. <laughs> yeah. Don't say that. Quiet storm. So anyways, Melvin, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Well, um, besides me dropping stuff. That's okay. uh, It's been a good good week um, so far. Good week. Uh, Had some uh, good conversations with folks, some good... um, Made a lot of progress at work. That's uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going through uh, budgets and it just it, like mid-year budgets. Mm-hmm. So it just makes a whole lot of stuff. Uh, we just got to make a whole lot of decisions, basically. <clears throat> and um, yeah, so that's been interesting to say the least. A lot of uh, we got contractors. Mm. And so um, I'm losing. It seems like my team is losing the most uh uh, resources, but you know, whatever. Mm, mm. So just been working with, with my guys and trying to make sure we're squared away. Um, as far as people departing. And then I got a plan, um, uh, a lunch for somebody leaving. And then I've also got a plan, like a big party, like a big celebration for our, our release. Mm. And, uh, Nancy is helping me, thank goodness. Cause that I was about not, to say, wow, that's kind of <laughs> not in your wheelhouse. But it isn't. It isn't. <laughs> that's okay, though. Okay, okay. How about you? It's been good. So, you know, this was the first week that our oldest went back to school. And it's been a good week. You know, we haven't gotten a phone call today, so I guess all is well. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so she's transitioned back. She's had a pretty good week this week. Yeah, she got green yesterday. Yeah, so she's, you know, her behavior's been been good. And she's actually coming up on a birthday. So she'll be turning six. And then four days later, I'll be turning, what hell am I going to be? 34. I'm about to say, wait a minute. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll be turning 34 and uh, just been trying to get back into the swing of things from the holidays. You know, I feel very inspired. I feel motivated and just trying to, you know, all the feelings that, you know, bring a new year, a new beginning. And so other than that, uh, you know, uh, Melvin knows, but y'all don't know that every year my company sends me off to a kind of like a couple of days, like two days of just like a conference. And they sent us to like a secluded place and basically wine and dine us. Basically, it's supposed to be like the kickoff of the year and kind of inspire us and motivate us. And, you know, so we can meet goals, basically. And so uh, we've gone to Phoenix twice and then we've gone to Vegas twice and now they're sending us to Orlando. So I'm getting ready to head out for that in a few days, a couple of days. And so getting ready for that. But other than that, that's really been going on in my in my hood. So, yeah. so when you go out of town like this, like what kind of effect does it have on you? Because you don't you don't get to travel a whole lot. I don't. And, and I, I really don't get to travel, especially for work. Really, this is the only time that I travel for work. And typically I go with you. Yeah. So. Like the last, I guess, three, three years you've gone with me. So like I was actually today... As I was praying when I, before I ran, I was I'm really trying not to think about it so much because for one, I'm going to miss y'all. I'm just going to miss y'all. And the fact that you're not coming with me makes it even worse because at least when you're with me, there's like a little piece of home, you know, and 
Yeah. So I'm just, you know, but on the flip side, I realized that this is a good thing for me to get away because I don't really get away like this, you know, um, not by myself. And so, like, I, I am looking forward to, like, only being able to get myself ready in the morning and being able to have, like, uninterrupted time for, like, reading. And and then I'm also going to, you know, looking forward to having time with my, like, work sisters. You know, there's, like, a group of us that we, like all friends you know we keep contact with each other throughout the year because we don't go into actual clinic and so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them and having time with my teammates and stuff like that but I am I'm I mean the more I'm trying not to think about it because like I'm gonna miss you guys you know yeah and I feel like I have so much stuff that I want to do before I leave because I always want to leave you you know with like with success, like set up for success, you know? And so, you know, I'm a little worried for you for Sunday (laughs) (laughs) because typically guys like on Sunday, Melvin is on worship team. He normally sings and plays and we have to get to church early because of that, because they rehearsed before. And, uh, I'm the one that tends to the kids during that time. And this Sunday, he's going to have to not only get up, get there with the children, but like, have you figured out like, who's going to watch the kids? No, I have, you know, I ain't figured that out. See, that, like, all that brings me anxiety. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't dip out and be like, peace. I don't do that. Like, I'd be like, what's going to go on? Because I'm so used to, like, being the planner of us, the strategic logistic person for us. And so, say, well, let me just go ahead and tell you. Um, I lower my expectations. See, the reason that it's so much <laughs> difficult for more difficult for you when I leave town is because you have high expectations. For me, I mean, we're just going to kick it. You know, we're going to have, you know, taking homework and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stress, man. And I ain't going to stress them. Yeah. So as long as, as everybody being well behaved, we're not going to stress. If we get have some, I'm going to try to have like some family night. I may, I may. Let fair like have a camp out in the bed, and I'm sure I'm not gonna let Fallon sleep down there. Oh no! But I might let fair. I might. You gonna? You saw how she sleep in the bed? She's constantly moving. Good luck with that. I said after that one time, no more. You I don't ain't think sleeping I am. in the bed with me no more. I don't more. think I am because because she is. Because uh, she need to go to sleep. Yeah, and that's if the it thing. were the weekend that I yeah, would. Yeah, like. Because that's when I let her sleep in the bed. When you went out of town, it was like a weekend. It was like a Friday to a Saturday. And you going to have the TV on and she ain't going to go to sleep. No. Yeah. But I think my worry is just the Sunday because I have to leave so early on Sunday. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, how is he going to do that? Like, I'm the early riser in the house. Like, I, I, I don't, I, so, I mean, it ain't, ain't like nobody going to die. <laughs> you like, did you die? No, nope, <laughs> But did exactly. you die? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be all right. It'll be cool, man. Uh, but you know sp- what? I, when it comes to, like, you taking care of the kids and stuff, like, that's one thing I don't stress about is that the fact that you... Like what I was telling our oldest daughter, like everything that I can do, Melvin can do as well. He can cook. He can clean. He knows how to wash clothes. He knows how to iron clothes. He's actually the ironer in the family. I mean, like, and he knows like what where the girls need to be and how to do everything for them. It's just that I'm just the more of the timekeeper, you know, and making sure that the flow goes well. So just want to <laughs> set him up so it's not like a horrible <laughs> two and a half days for you. <laughs> yeah, I ain't stressing, so don't you stress. Okay. But other than that, that's really the big thing that's coming up for us. Yeah. And then we got the marriage retreat coming around the corner. So around Valentine's cool. Day. And your parents are coming in for that. Yes. Yeah, that'll be and fun. I'm so happy for that. Woo woo. So, yeah, every year uh, our church does a, a marriage retreat. I think we've mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. I think actually the first. Uh, podcast we did was right around marriage retreat time. It was after the marriage retreat. 
Yeah, um, it was. Because we shared and we talked about what we talked about on the marriage retreat. Uh-huh. So we may vlog while we're there. Um, we're just kind of working on a setup for, for the camera and, and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's always a good time. Um, the the classes, for the most part, they've always been uh, really helpful. But the big thing is, is um, I like the way they always structure it to where you don't spend all your time in seminars and classes. Mm-hmm. You spend the majority of your time... Um, they try to make time for, for you and your significant other to, to spend time together and then to get time with other couples. Um, and so it's cool to be able to recap what you guys learned and mm. then also talk to other people. It's also a really big help. Um, there was like, what was this at a, it wasn't a marriage retreat. It was a, um, big conference that they had in Where's Zach's family from? San Antonio. San Antonio. But even when we have these conferences, they'll still have like a marriage track. Mm-hmm. So you'll get classes. But um, these things are so helpful. It All the way from back then, this was while Kimberly was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And uh, we knew we were having a girl. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a, a gentleman from, from India actually got up there and was speaking. And he was talking about, you know, being a father of girls. And I, it still just sticks out to my mind. Like... How he had, you know, he was he was just being very open, and he was talking about like some things that he regretted, um, and it was, and uh, and that he started, you know, he wished that he had started it earlier in their lives. He started it later on, but really taking intentional time with his daughters, you know, mm-hmm. getting into what they want to do, yeah, and having like dates with his daughters, making sure he got individual time and not just leaving it to his wife. And he was saying like at the beginning, he really just left it on his wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that I, I try to do now. I, t- I took that with me. So that's all just to say that like these classes, anytime you, anybody out there can get, if you're married, man, you can get some training um, if you're not getting any training, then man, you're, you're, you're going brave. I'll tell you that, but, um, going and getting some training and, uh, couple that with getting with other married couples as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes marriage so much more, uh, I don't know. It's just so much better. Just, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to spend a lot of time on things that, that, you know, figuring it out yourself. And it's, you know, I know like one time I had mentioned going to like a marriage retreat one time. And I think for lack of better, like example, <laughs> I think somebody kind of looked at it like marriage boot camp. you know, <laughs> like, no, it's not like people have are having problems. It's just like going to a doctor and having a physical, you're going for wellness, you're going for maintenance, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the environment is so it breeds love, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And it's just, you know, there's time you have extra long time for lunch, like two and a half hours. And then, you know, they end early. So you can like go and spend one-on-one time with your husband or go out on a double date with like another couple or, and they always try to put it in an area where there are things around you, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, we already registered and booked up, so I'm ready. I am ready. I look forward to it every year, and we always win the raffle. We sure do. <laughs> like every, we had a little. Not, we had like a two year drought, or maybe a one. Well, year. Well, one year we didn't go because we had just had Farah. Oh yeah. And then one year we didn't win, but all the other years we've won something uh-huh. because, like, all the different family groups donate a. Uh, like a basket or a money tree and all that stuff. And then we have kind of like some fun traditions that like at the end, somebody can win a shop back and people, for some reason, somebody had brought that years ago and it's just been a funny tradition. They keep going and they give you a raffle ticket and they, and it's like a ton of stuff to win. And so we've always won, we've won like a money tree, like twice, And we always win a basket. We always win something, you know. So I love it, you know. 
Oh, sorry. I don't know why I keep all yawning. Sorry, y'all. Because it's all dreary outside. It is, and it I is. just want to cuddle up by the fire. <laughs> want to cuddle up with me, baby? Let's cuddle by the fire. <laughs> I got to go get some stuff. I need to get some stuff. Fair keep on asking me to light Yeah, she does. And she wants s'mores, so. So, um. um what was we taught? Let's let's get into just some topics today. Uh, hot topics. <laughs> not hot <high laughs> topics. Now, of course, this ain't no gossip podcast, but I think it is good to, like, we have conversations about all the things that everyone else is having conversations about, yeah. and I think it's it's good to talk about them in, in not a gossipy way, but in a yeah, just a real way. And that's um, that's what this is platform is about yeah. taking everyday things. But um, so we were talking about um, this whole R. Kelly situation Mm -mm -mm. and, uh, you know, everybody has their own feelings and takes and whatever else. Um, And the thing that I had had said and, and, you know, as a guy, it's really difficult sometimes to express um, certain things without. You know, especially if you if you're not just repeating the thing you're hearing on TV, right? So it can it can come off in a wrong way, like like you are. I don't know. You could always just you got to tread lightly sometimes when you're talking about about these things. And um, Kimberly and I were going back and forth, and we were talking about, um, you know, so my standpoint when I hear something like this whole thing with R. Kelly and you know, in particular, when it comes down to um, people saying like, uh, you know, my daughter uh, got, uh, you know, he he took my daughter from me or he uh, whatever, you know, when it's like a, a juvenile, like I look at it from the standpoint of of a dad. So that was the first thing I looked at, you know, was coming from the standpoint of a dad and uh I think at first you kind of felt like was did you kind of think I was I don't know what was your your take when I I feel like sometimes when we have these conversations Melvin is always like presenting the what is it being the devil's advocate you know what I'm saying like it's like to me my thing is you know nobody knows exactly what has happened but if these allegations are true, what's right is right, and what's wrong is wrong. And I agreed. But what I said was, so on anything, I'm a very analytical person. And I'm a very, um, uh, I don't know if skeptical is the right word, but um, I, I want to test whatever is coming out. So that's what makes me not good at politics, no matter what. Even if it's like a political party I favor, if I'm having a conversation with somebody, like I stay away from a lot of those. I try to be very sensitive because I don't buy in to anything just wholeheartedly and blind. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so my point that I was saying was just, you know, first off, we, you got to look at the, at all parts of this story. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We're looking at now, if somebody were to say, you know, why are all these people coming out now, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, number one, you can't say that wholesale. You got to you gotta be careful because that means, like, if somebody's a victim of something, mm-hmm. it... You don't know what nobody is yeah, processing through it's that. Ha- mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. But there's also the people who are not victims who are now just... Co- like, all of these people... And this was where my point was, and I don't think I handled it very gracefully, but my point was like, first, all of these people are coming out out of the woodwork and talking about how horrible R. Kelly is Mm -hmm. and how, you know, we need to boycott R. Kelly. We need to this, that, and the third. All these singers, all these musicians. I seen Lady Gaga say something. Like, at the end of the day, like, none of this stuff, it's not like this is a new revelation. This just happens to be the the popular thing to be angry about right now. But there's no time that I felt like R. Kelly was trying to hide the person that he was. Mm -hmm. If you felt like you may, it may be more real to you today, but definitely unless you were under a rock, you saw 
like things that that should have brought you this same amount of rage. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I remember as a kid, like when the whole Aaliyah thing happened, and you know it it seemed weird. Now I was a kid, but it still seemed kind of weird. And if you know, I'm not saying that. And all of that stuff was available. The videotape, all of that stuff was available. So. I'm not saying that the new things that have come out won't make you like click a new set of anger or whatever, but you have to temper how you come out against somebody. Mm -hmm. You got to temper it because we have all played a part in like, he's been selling millions of records. Yeah. They ain't been, he ain't been buying them himself. So while everybody out here like having this, it's just fake outrage. Mm -hmm. And so that was my, one thing that I that I thought about was like this fake outrage. And the reason that it ticks me off more than anything is that we fake outrage does not equal results. So we may get R. Kelly, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll feel better about ourselves because R. Kelly is in jail for and we don't know the truth. We don't know what he did and what he didn't do. We don't know, you know, but um We'll get his music taken off and we'll do all these different things and everybody will feel better about themselves. Mm -hmm. But the only thing that I'm wondering is why is it limited to R. Kelly and R. Kelly's, maybe his manager or whatever. Like there is a bigger, um, there is a bigger net that needs to be cast because there is an environment that has been created that allows people like him to operate without any repercussions right like um we even talked about like the harvey weinstein thing everybody is on harvey weinstein the oscars all these different things everybody's going in at him but all these people have participated in creating an environment that allows these people to operate like if 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 you start stamping this stuff out way earlier in the game then you know these people don't ain't going to be able to operate, but you can't roll back in time, right? Mm-hmm. But what fake outrage does is say, let's just get R. Kelly, but it does nothing to um, eradicate the environment that mm-hmm. exists. We can't go back in time, but we definitely can start to hold people accountable across the board, not yep. just the, the, the easy targets, the, um, you know, poor people or the, Mm -hmm. you know, the employees or the easy targets, but like these big time executives, these people who allowed this stuff to go on and on and on and on, Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, law enforcement officers who turned their eye, whoever it was, I don't know Mm -hmm. who it is, but whoever was involved, not just for R. Kelly, but in general, go and like, we got to take it serious to start to, if, if what we want to do is change the way things are, Rather than the easy thing of just punishing a bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. Like, because to me, and this is one thing I said that, that I don't know if you agree with that, but the only person who did what they were supposed to do was R. Kelly. And what I mean by that is R. Kelly has already, at least from what I saw, he presented himself as a sexual deviant. Mm. Even if he was not a molester or whatever, like, let's just say he presented himself as a sexual deviant from everything that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at the Aaliyah stuff, he presented himself as a pedophile, yeah. a pedophile sexual deviant. And, you know, what would you, that would be like getting a lion and putting a, your kid next to the lion and being like, well, thinking that the lion is just going to overlook your kid because it's cute. A lion is going to do what a lion does, and that's consume. And a sexual deviant, a sexual predator is going to do what they do. It's our job as a society to um, set up structures to prevent people like that from having free reign. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the sake of a dollar, a lot of people turn their heads. Yeah. And I think to me, um, and like I said, me and Melvin, like we say, we, we're really bringing y'all conversations that we have had, <laughs> like, cause we like be sitting down here. I mean, at the end of the day, some of this stuff, I mean, this, this particular thing I, I do care about, but some stuff is like, at the end of the day, we'd be like, well, oh, well, we don't care about it, but <laughs> you know, but this, we really had a long conversation about it because 
I'm not going to go into all the details about R. Kelly. You can Google it. It's like a hot topic. But, you know, all of the talk has come from the the six-part docuseries that Lifetime put out about him called Surviving R. Kelly. I did not watch the whole thing. I'm glad that I did not watch the whole thing because I could not. I only watched two episodes, and I just, it was just too much. It was too intense for me. Like, I, 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 it, was, it was just too much. And one thing that I had to agree I had to like really like admit to myself is that yes, I don't know this man, but I I was a part of allowing him to continue to be to continue to do what he was doing because like many people, I mean, the Aaliyah situation happened back in the nineties. There is proof that something inappropriate happened with them. There are legal documents. Okay. And it was just people act like we didn't see that people continue to, to, to listen to him. And then the issues that came out in the early two thousands, I think 2008 or whatever with him having, um, being a pedophile on camera, caught on camera, doing some things. Um, again, when he was acquitted for that, we all continued to step in the name of love. You know what I'm saying? We all wanted to see why he was trapped in the closet. Let's keep it honest. And so, I had to say to myself, like, hey, you know, like all of these things were here in front of us for decades. okay? and me, myself, I'm ashamed that I did not pay more attention to it. You know, at this point, I'm going to write that wrong. I don't want to hear anything that he has. And, And it's 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 really upsetting because he is a musical genius. You can't take that away from him. He has written and produced a lot of songs, not just for himself, but many, many artists that we like. Like I just found out yesterday that he wrote Never Would Have Made It. Uh, or maybe, yeah, he produced Never Would Have Made It by Mar- uh, Marvin Sapp. And I mean, there's lots of songs that he has been, his hand has been upon. And it's like, you know, so I think what was the most alarming thing for me was the simple fact that um, there were so many people that enabled him and that like Melvin said, where I will agree with Melvin on that is that it's not just the, the light has been shown on more than R. Kelly. We already knew about R. Kelly, but it's the camp that has been around him. And right. I, and I am very shocked at that because there are women who are quote unquote defending him that have been in abusive relationships because not only is he a, a pedophile, you know, and there is some sexual, uh, uh, indiscretions that are going on and inappropriate things that are going on. There also have been accusations of physical abuse, domestic abuse. And so um, that is where I am just appalled. And of course, like Melvin said, this isn't a gossip site. So of course, because when we were talking about this, I was like, how are we going to be able to like, like, is this the platform to talk about this? And so I did want to bring up a scripture that just really, I feel like is is necessary and appropriate. And it's in, it's James 4, 17. I'm going to read the NLT version. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And the NIV is, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And I, I use that scripture because... As we're looking at this documentary, something that I feel like a lot of the people on the documentary did not think that was going to happen to them. I think that they thought all the press was going to be on R. Kelly. But the question is, so you're telling me that you knew all this stuff was going on and you're just now 20 years later saying something, you know, because there were people who actually witnessed some acts and didn't say anything. You know, and to me, that's what that is. At the end of the day, what I was telling Melvin, because I get what you're saying about like, I really do get what you're saying that, you know, R. Kelly is doing what we expect him to do. The the signs are there. I get that. But that still does not, you know, and I'm not I'm not neglecting that. I, I agree. But you have to take it a step further. But that still does not say give him a pass. No. And that was the thing. So 
I, I didn't even say anything like that. Nothing well, I, I, know, said, I know that you're not well, I don't want to put that. I don't even want that to be uh, inferred. What I my my there's no doubt. I don't think there's any lack of outrage towards R. Kelly. So I don't I don't feel a need yeah. to, to argue that point. I don't have to convince anybody that if these things are true, and even what we have seen that there should be some outrage. You know, there's if these things are true, then it, it he should be punished mm-hmm. but my whole point is it if we want but that's only going to stop him yeah we want to change the environment altogether mm-hmm. then it's going to take harder work yeah and like i said before i look at it as a dad our our morals or our judgment when it comes to like the trappings of the world, it can really change and make you forget what your real goal is, right? Mm-hmm. So I think all of these parents, at first I could feel like really judgmental against them. Like, why would you let your daughter go there? And why would you this, that, and the third? I can't say, because that's not, I'm not in that situation, man. I don't know. In a predator, they seek out weak-minded people. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, one thing that we are all guilty of is having like a sliding scale of morality sometimes yeah. or a sliding scale of standards. And, and it's a lot of times because we forget what our goal is. You know, you have, I'm sure that they wanted their kids to be successful, but that's not your ultimate goal. Your ultimate goal is for your kids to be healthy. And if you're a Christian, your kids to become Christians, to make it to heaven. That's the ultimate goal. But I think when it comes to being a parent, and this is like a, a big thing that we can learn from because none of us are far from it. We all, and this is something that um, the Murrays, uh, a, a couple in our church said to us before we had our first child. And it's like, start with the end in mind. And you always have to keep your goal aligned, like making sure that whatever you're doing, whatever decisions you're making are aligned with what you have stated that your goal is. For your kids, you make decisions. Like for us, I want my child to be well-rounded. I want her to love people and I want her to become a disciple. I want her to be a Christian. Now I've got to make decisions that are aligned with that. So when it comes time for, I am not a person who always likes to be social and always likes to be out and doing different things. But if I want my child to, to be able to navigate in that environment, I've got to make sure she goes out and sees those type of things. I want my child to understand the importance of servitude. So she's got to see me serving. I want my child to understand the importance of mercy. So she has to see me being merciful. Like when I'm driving my car and somebody cuts me off, man, I'm quick to be like, man, why don't you just go? You know, and she's very sensitive to that now. And I got to make sure, and it, it, gets me but I got to make sure that I'm I'm letting her know yeah you know, you're right daddy shouldn't do that I should be merciful because that's what I want her to be those are tiny things but that's kind of how our mind has to work and that's the thing that really jumped out to me as I look at these things is like what decisions am I making when I'm shaping my my child's moral compass and I think what is obvious here is in order to, and, and it, you can tell in some of these situations, like one parent was like, you know, we set up a bunch of rules where he couldn't be alone with our daughter and this, that, and the third. But man, I think if, if they were really, if they could go back and, and retrace their steps and be honest, they're like, that, that probably wasn't worth it. Even rolling the dice that with these constraints, we could make it happen the right way. And it's easy for me to to cast judgment and throw stones at them, but I do a lot of the same things, man. Like when it's convenient for for what I want to happen, mm-hmm. I can do things that are out of line with what I really, you know, what my real goal is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You got to really, I mean, I think that's probably the best piece of advice that we have ever received to start with the end in mind, because it's very easy to look at what's in front of you. You know what I'm saying? It's really easy to look at. And even what's in front of you can be like a year from now, you know, without thinking about like, okay, how would this affect this person five years, 10 years from now? And I know that if they could roll back the the dice, they could roll it back. They would have definitely, they would definitely do things differently. Right. And uh, I I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a sad situation. 
it does, you know, it's, I know a lot of people are criticizing them. We, you know, we have to admit we can criticize them and throw the stones as well. But, you know, like you said, there are some situations that all parents make because of the easy way. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, just that our stuff has not yielded those kind of results yet. So, And it's all micro things that you got to like this is a way we got to always think. I guess the biggest tragedy is if nobody learns anything from it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's it's hard sometimes from these type of things because they can be so sensationalized that we can't put ourselves in their position, especially as Christians. When we look at these things, it's almost like it don't affect us mm-hmm. um, because that's not our thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, another thing that I thought about was the importance of evangelism and of being in other people's lives, of not of being outwardly focused. There was a whole lot of times, I guarantee you, in R. Kelly's life where he was still malleable. You know what I'm saying? He was still able to be shaped and, 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 and he still is. You know what I'm saying? You can never write the book on somebody, but if us with all of our outrage there's other people like that out here. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how many people we pass. And just saying a good word to somebody could change the whole trajectory of their life, really could, just stopping and saying something to them. I really put myself in that situation because I know as a young man, the trajectory of my life was was headed in a completely opposite direction. And a guy was working at, you know, cooking at a sandwich shop. And I may have said this before, but he was just cooking at a sandwich shop. I'm putting in my order. And really, that could have been the whole length of our conversation. I want this and I want that. Here goes my money. I'm out. But he took the time to ask me questions while he's at work. He took the time to ask me about my life. And it wasn't some deep thing, but he just asked me simple questions about my life. Like, what do you do on the, what do you do on the weekends? You know, going to invite me to church, but the way that he put it, he could have never known that how impactful that that could have been, you know, he changed my life because he took the time to not just be thinking about himself and his own duties and what he had going on. He took the time to look out outside of himself and show just the tiniest bit of concern for the next person. And it literally saved my life, like literally saved my life. There are people walking around in that same position every single day. And as much as we throw stones at R. Kelly, the people who condone it, this person, that person. Just understand that, especially if you are a Christian, like you have the power to, like you have the the antidote. Because really the antidote isn't new laws. It isn't sending people to jail. It isn't this, that, or the other. These things are still going to exist. The antidote is, is the blood of Christ. You know what I mean? And we have that at our disposal at all times. That's the thing that keeps me at least somewhat sober-minded when I come into these things. Because you know me, man. I can go off on a, like, when I start to thinking about dads and daughters and dropping the ball, man, I get emotional. But that emotion, at some point in time, I got to let it turn into, like, introspection and figure out, well, what do I do? So that that's kind of where where I'm at on it. Okay. Okay. I think my takeaway from what you said is really like, you know, outside of this R. Kelly thing, you know what I'm saying? That like being outwardly focused, changing the course of somebody's life, you don't know, like when we come in contact with children, teens, young adults, marrieds coming in contact with singles, your encouragement, your help, you know, really loving them and showing them the love of Jesus can really change if someone will make the right or the left turn. You know, that like people, you know, think about how many times we're at a fork in a road in our lives. You know what I'm saying? Well, we have to make a conscious decision over this or that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God gives us free choice. And if you make the wrong decision, you have to stand. Everybody has to give an account at yeah. the end of the day. But think how many times, you know, like what you said, what the things that happened in R. Kelly's life that could have redirected him to a whole nother path. Right. right. And knowing that musical genius that he had, you know, how, you know, like how that could have been used for this 
for positivity than the negativity that is coming out now. And you know? still today, man, like God still yearns for him. And that to me as a human, that's why I'm not God and yeah. God is God. Yeah, that's because crazy. that is what we know is true. But as humans, it's like, not my baby, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I ain't let I ain't letting this this man nowhere near me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But you're right. God still yearns for him. Because as I was talking about the stuff, like being a dad, like what I would do. Because I seen something Master P said, and I was like, he was like, uh, "Shoot, man, you wouldn't see me on Lifetime. You see me on CNN. Like I'm, I'm beyond." You know, my humanistic self, I feel the same way, man. Like I listen. I don't even want to talk about. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, how do I really feel? You know, how do I really feel as a Christian? I should feel heartbroken because you're dealing with a guy who is really just lost in a sauce, man. And he's like everybody else in this world who does anything at any point in time to get fulfillment outside of of what Christ provides. So that means like me, like you, unless you're perfect, you do the same things. And it's still the same answer. And I can't say that in my heart of hearts, I feel anything but like really just disgust, honestly. Yeah. And I don't know how to change, but that's part of the problem, right? Is because we live (laughs) our lives just in, that's easy. Mm -hmm. Like judgment is easy, but trying to do something to change it is hard. Like it should make me want to go out and be more evangelistic, call anybody who I've ever talked to and just, Hey, how you doing? Checking in on people. Um, but it didn't trigger that in me, yeah. you know. That's true. That's a real good point to think about. You know, I, I mean, as much as I, humanly, I'm like, I don't want to say this, but spiritually, I'd have to say it. The book is not written on R. Kelly. Now, that don't mean I got to be a part of it. But, I mean, I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> I mean, like you said, God still wants him. You know, but but if not you, then who? Do you think about like the know, story of Jonah? You know what I'm saying? God shows his his uh, his. Uh, can you look that up? Because I can't go on my phone. Like okay, g- just like a summation. But God shows his his character, man. Like uh, yeah, I know the story yeah, well. Jonah well, and uh, the fish. This, oh, yeah, okay. like you know, Jonah is like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to deal with these people because I already know it wasn't just that he didn't want to go. He was lazy or something. Mm-mm. He knew what was going to happen. He was like, I'm going to go there and it's, you know. You're going to forgive them. You're going to forgive them and And, you're going to give them a chance. Even though they deserve destruction. Yeah. Yeah. So why you want to send me so that can happen? And uh, that's just not God, man. God wants us all, his desire for all of us. Like he's got the end in mind. And so we go through all these different things in our lives, good times, bad times, all those things. And God is is on a mission to take our bad decisions, our wickedness, and you know, shape them into things that that can, you know, end up for our good. You know what I mean? Like God wants our Kelly to be with Him in heaven. Period. Just like He wants you. Just like He wants me. Yeah. So what Melvin is referencing, and I think this is like. A child's like this is one of the the more popular stories that they share with even children about Jonah um, being swallowed up by the fish. You can just reference that. Yeah. uh, So if you look in chapter four, you know, it's entitled Jonah's like anger towards the Lord. (laughs) That's what it says. Jonah's anger towards the Lord. And the reason why is because it starts that chapter and it's like, but Jonah did not see this as a good thing because, you know, he flees from God. God chases him and pretty much he relents and goes to Nineveh, which if you, you need to look that up, not a good place. OK, to say the least. But Jonah tells him before he prophesies to these people that like, you know, like, God, you're going to forgive him. 
and they're evil. I know you. You're so compassionate. You're so loving. If these people listen to me then, and, and then they repent, you're going to forgive them. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what happened. Okay. And so when they repented after hearing Jonah, Jonah got mad because he was like, this is exactly what I told you was going to happen. <laughs> and that's honestly how I feel. I feel like Jonah, like, but here's the thing. And God shows Jonah that like, you know, just like you and how I forgive you when you run from me, when you sin against me, I forgive you. Why can't I extend that same grace to other people? And it's funny because when it's not, when we're not talking about ourselves, we come down hard on people, but we want all the grace in the world when it comes to us. But that's a hard thing. It's hard. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I, I think that's a good, a good scripture that you brought up because that is how I feel. Like, I feel like Jonah, like, this is a horrible thing. This is, can't nobody deny that. You know what I'm saying? And nobody is going to, you know, it's evident, you know, but I know the God that we serve. Right. And he's going to forgive if repentance, true repentance is there. And I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) because of all these things that has been happening, you know. And and we can read those stories and act like they're so far away, man. But we, we, the Bible is living and active, man. It it happens every single day. And we all, you said it, you said a word right there, man. We want grace for us. Mm -hmm. But that's what Jesus, he was so wise in the way that he put things out. It's like. We want to make, when it comes to Christianity, a lot of times we want to make it about a whole bunch of easy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, no gay marriage, no uh, whatever else. They, what, it's, I guess gay is still the big thing that everybody's on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, it's easy to get angry at, at other people's sin, right? At yeah. other people's things, the things that you don't deal with that you don't struggle with it's easy to have selective and we have selective memory memory like when it comes to the mandates of god right Mm -hmm. um you got people who are the most promiscuous people in the world that will say something about some other thing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like these are all that's easy that's easy and and we don't do it well that's why god doesn't leave judgment up to us Mm -hmm. because we don't do it well because we're not just Mm. We are not just Good judges. Mm-hmm. We judge only what what we don't struggle with. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, even if we judge what we struggle with, then we cut a blind eye. So what does Jesus tell us? It's like don't say any like look at the first look to the plank in your own eye. Mm-hmm. So if we always doing that, then we're never at a time we always got a plank in our eye. So we never at a point where we can pull the uh, speck speck out of somebody else's eye because we always got a plank in our eye unless Mm. your name is Jesus or unless you are just perfect and I just don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. but, and then he tells us the whole law and the prophets, everything can be summed up into this. Love the Lord, your God with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. Loving people that goes to the point of you want mercy. Mm Mm-hmm then you got to give mercy. And there's a scripture that talks about you don't receive mercy because you don't give mercy. Mm. You know what I mean? That same measure that you use to judge other people, you're going to be judged by. And I'm too wicked of a person on my best day to roll a dice on that. And so I have to like try to temper myself. Even though I try, I'm still super judgmental. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. Like I always got something to say about somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth, man. Even when I'm talking about other people being judgmental, like I'm sitting on a at a at a point that like I don't do it. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so again, you know, why is it important to talk about R. Kelly and these type of things? Why is it important to not just lead these conversations into your little groups? Because the reason you do it is because you don't want to expose yourself. I'll talk to these things with my wife and we'll talk crazy, but, but there's no exposure there. But if I get out of this comfort zone and I start to talk to other people and let other people know what I think and talk about, then I'm opening myself up to being, to people pruning me, you know what I mean? To people giving me alternate ways of thinking. Like, why are you so wrapped up on this area 
can't you look to yourself to do different things? And I can take this thing that's happening in the news and I can use it. If, if, if I do the right, I can use it to completely start to pick apart myself and to look at things that I need to grow in. And that's where these things are important for us as Christians. We have to like not conform to the way the world does it, even though we will, you know, we're going to be talking about it, but step back, somebody be the person to step back and start to pick it out more, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Start to dig deeper into it, start to look at it at, at a higher level, you know what I mean? At a, or at a mm. deeper level, you know? And and I think that's really what it is. And by no means are we like condoning what he's doing. Like, that's horrible. And all of this that we're talking about, like, God forgives those who seeks forgiveness. If there is not a repentance, there's not a change in behavior, then the word is very clear about judgment. You know what I'm saying? It's just that we're trying to say, as we're reflecting and talking about these things, you know, it's, it's always, and this is an extreme case because it could be something just at your job. You know what I'm saying? You may look at somebody stealing pens and post-it notes and be talking about them like I don't steal I don't steal but then again you also try to clock out early and leave early every day well you still in time from your from your your employer you know what I'm saying like it's really easy for us to throw away what we do and it's it's just a good reflection thing you know what I'm saying and I, I definitely want us to be clear that we're not saying you know <laughs> let's just forgive our Kelly really it's not for us to do anything, honestly, you know, you just don't need to be judging anybody. Like we need to be our, like we have so much to do on this earth. If, if, if we believe in the mission that God has given us, we have so much stuff to do, man, to prevent this from happening again. Like we got to be concerned with preventing it from happening. Yeah. And, um, you know, we could talk ad nauseum about these different things, but we can, start to wrap up but i mm-hmm. think if there's anything for me that i would like just to leave people with um in my you know think about for myself is just you know what are, what am i doing to um what am i doing to change somebody's eternity you know what i mean what am i doing to like because that's what we have we had a power of life and death in our hands man mm. with the blood with the mm. With with the blood of Jesus, you got the power of life and death and even more. So what am I doing to change someone's eternity? Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, well, guys, I guess that's the hot topic. <laughs> hot topic. And so anywho, uh, thank you all for tuning in yet again. We, um, You have been listening to my trusty wingman, Melvin. Hey, hey, hey. And I am your hostess with the mostest. You gave that name to me, so it's mine now. Kim. And we will catch you later. Okay? Bye-bye.